you're the executive director in charge of everything TEDx Jacksonville. That's correct. And what do you do there? I make sure that everything is uh, dotted and T's are crossed and we are fulfilling all our obligations to the community and everyone is having fun while they're doing it. So making sure all the events are going off without a hitch. Every team member is being uh, is participating and enjoying what they're doing as opposed to doing it because they have to. Because one thing people don't think about is all 25 folks that help make TEDx Jacksonville happen are all volunteers who have full-time jobs as yeah, well. Yeah, and it's pretty amazing the loyalty of the volunteers, which we'll get into that in a little bit. A little bit of background. What is TEDx? So TEDx was started by TED in uh, 2009, and it essentially gave other cities, other uh, towns across the world, the ability to host their own TED-like conference locally. What is TED? So TED stands for Technology, Entertainment, and Design. It started in 1984 as a conference meant for the most uh, techie and geeky folks in Silicon Valley. And... They had closed off conferences only for them, primarily on technology, entertainment, and design. And they started putting these talks online, and they realized that they have a great platform and people are sharing. So they decided, why not? Why don't we open this up for others to go ahead and create their own talks locally? And, and just about everybody has seen a TED Talk by now. They I would go hope viral so. almost like once a day. There's one new TED Talk yeah. that everybody needs to see. Although I will say when I moved to Jacksonville and I was fundraising for TEDx Jacksonville, I did sometimes get Ted the Teddy Bear. So everybody might not mean? quite – they had no idea what Ted was. Oh, they thought they I was – oh. <laughs> they thought I was soliciting for Ted the movie with the teddy bear. Oh, that would be um, – That was awkward. An interesting thing to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want us to fundraise for the, this Hollywood yeah. movie? Yeah. So now – so Ted gave licenses to local communities and groups to have their own sort of TED Talk that way. You're expanding the speaker base and the knowledge base of this entire organization yeah. and specifically impacting Jacksonville. Specifically impacting your local community and for Ted, giving them new content. You know, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. two to five percent of the talks that they have on their website are from TEDx events. So they watch every single talk that we put out there into the TEDx YouTube channel and review them and then select the cream of the crop to f- focus um, and feature on TED.com. And have any of the talks from TEDx Jacksonville been featured? They haven't. Uh, two have come very, very close. Oh, which two? Uh, we th- doesn't oh, matter. All right. <laughs> but we, they do let us know um, topics that have already been done. So there's also a challenge of repetitiveness. So we can have great talks, but if that topic's already been covered on TED.com, the chances of it showing up are slim. Oh, really? So that's so something they don't to double keep, up on the topics? Not usually, no. So because that's something to keep in mind as well. That's very interesting because I always, when I hear a good talk on TED Talk, I want to know if there's other people talking about it and they're not there. And I've done searches, so yeah. that explains it. Yeah. I think they're going to expand because there's so much, there's so many things that happen within a sector over time. So every three to five years, that topic is going to need a, a fresh look. Right. So I think they're going to change that, but it hasn't happened yet. TEDx Jacksonville seems to be like the model TEDx organization. We are um, we are celebrated by TED, and we appreciate that immensely. We were the first ever to be featured live on YouTube, and our conference was live streamed throughout the world last year, and that's never been done before. And how many TEDx organizations are there? Over 4,000. So out of the 4,000 organizations, TEDx Jacksonville stood out to be like, we're going to stream your production because the production value – it's pretty incredible, yes. Sabine. They have to, you know, there's a level of trust to make sure that the content that's going to be relayed is 
content with integrity. And uh, every year we do have a staff member from TED who who does attend our conference. And he had seen our our conference over four years. So he trusted it. And I think he vouched for us as well and made that happen. How did your production value become so high? Because I've seen other TED Talks and it's like a camcorder. It's shaky. You know, it's just not the same thing as what I've seen at TEDx, which I feel like I'm going into a pretty serious, awesome and fun event. So I've been all three years. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I think it's more we're all perfectionists in our own um, way. So not necessarily uh, saying that we're event planners, but we take pride in what we do. And we want to make sure that what we're putting out there is the best it can be. So having great partners, you know, Science Sound and WJCT have been tremendous in helping us edit the talks, uh, record the talks, um, provide the sound for the talks. And that really uh, is the bulk of our budget. And we make sure we fundraise enough to be able to provide for those pieces. Otherwise, the final product that's going to end up in the universe, it's just not going to be good enough for us. So there's this whole process before we even get to the, the production day or the, the shoot day or whatever it's called, the conference. The conference. Day, right, it's the conference. I mean, there's the after conference, which is the video plays, the streaming. How do you get to the position where you pick your speakers and about how many speakers do you pick? So our speaker selection process uh, opens up in March and it closes in June. We usually get roughly 150 applications from uh, mostly all over the country. And we narrow those 150 down to about 25. And that really requires us reviewing the application, uh, the resume, as well as any talk that they have done um, themselves or recorded themselves speaking and really see what their presence is like. In front of the camera, and then also look at how original is the topic, and how does it tie to the theme, um, and how does it help the local community? What topics are bubbling under the surface in Northeast Florida, as well as are just commonplace? You know, we want to change, like HRO, for example, and how, what can we do to mobilize the community with this topic? So then, after the twenty-five, we really move down to the final ten to twelve speakers. And we have follow-up interviews with them, usually in person or Skype if they're out of town. And we look at compatibility among speakers. So how, What does that mean? Well, it really is um, how do we make sure that the day flows and we don't want completely opposite talks in the same session because then it's just you're, if you're listening and you're going from astrophysics to a comedian, you're just going to be like, I don't know how to process this. Yeah. So making sure that we can group people in sessions and they have some umbrella theme tying them together, whatever it may be. Because every year there's a theme. Every year there's a theme. And um, and we just don't know who's going to apply. So there's no way for us to predict who the final, you know, twenty, the so second round, the 25 will be. And then we really look at the, the theme and the speakers and their topics. So an example of the theme, last year you guys did, what was it called? Into the Machine. Which means what? So it really is open for interpretation. We always choose a a specific yet broad theme. So into the machine could be the machine of marketing, the machine of politics, the machine of technology or machines literally. And how do you go inside and present a different perspective or a different outlook to the audience as opposed to just going with status quo? So it really is open to interpretation. Most of the themes have always been. Have you felt like um, there's a particular talk that was maybe outside of most people's interpretation, but you felt it was perfect and can you give an example of that? Judy Herring. Um, she spoke about uh, intersex. Yes. And what the theme. Intersex? Well, so hers was about just how fluid gender is. And uh, she spoke two years ago, and the theme was unknowing. So it just was a perfect match because she was really trying to get 
our audience as well as uh, people around the world to see that gender isn't just male or female. There is a large population that is born just with there. You can't choose. The doctor decides for you because of, um, you know, centimeters. And we don't have to get into that. Um, <laughs> there's literally a ruler and they, me- they measure. And if it's seven centimeters, you get to be a boy. If it's shorter... What? We chop it off and you become a girl. No, seriously? Yeah. And you should watch her talk. Um, I don't remember her saying that. Yeah. she. So, and that's baffling. It was baffling for us. And I think people didn't understand how arbitrary that whole process was. And now we're talking about people and their gender. And she wanted people to see that these are real people we're talking about who didn't even make a choice. And they have to live with that. And it has strong repercussions in their life. Well, speaking of repercussions, how do you... Pre- allow uh, or prevent yourselves from being politicized because that's a very that can become a very politicized topic so automatically the go-to would be like well that's a liberal organization yeah we we our integrity is everything we make sure and we tell both our speakers and our uh, funders that we can't advocate from the stage so we we ourselves tedx jacksonville can't take a side on anything our partners cannot come on stage and um, present their company's mission. They can't solicit anybody. You know, they're allowed to have banners and displays, but we can't advocate from the stage. We don't take a stance on anything. We talk about the idea for each speaker, and the individuals in the audience can decide for themselves. But the speakers can advocate. The speakers can talk about their talk, but they can't say, "Come to my, you know, come to my institute and learn about this." Right. It's it's up to each individual audience member or whoever's watching the talk to realize that, okay, I connect with this topic, I'm going to look them up, and I will follow up. But the very, but the very, very matter that you guys can sol- you select the speakers, one could say, well, they're, yeah. you're, still, you're, you're editorializing. Which yeah. is, I mean, at some point you have to. I don't know how else you wouldn't. Yeah, and that's true. And, you know, we can't um, – we definitely reach out to um, all members of the community to apply. We, we don't want to be seen as liberals because that means only liberals – or Democrats are going to show up in the audience. The whole point, you know, an equally important part of the conference is engaging with the people in the audience. And if everybody has the same mindset as you, that's not really going to be very fun. And I can attest that that doesn't happen. So yeah. I'm, when I'm in the audience, there are people from all spectrums talking and discussing. There's some good debate, yeah. which I really appreciate. That's think, that's really yeah. important for us. And I remember I had a, I think I had a good conversation with a Donald Trump supporter. And so that was I was surprised. I really was. And then I was like, but that's that's good. Yeah, that, that's a great thing. Yeah. The professionalism and the dedication to this group is unlike anything I've seen, even in church organizations. People are very loyal and really excited to make this happen. And is that you? Or is, that, <laughs> is that your leadership? Because you do a really good job. Um, that's really sweet of you. I don't think it's uh, me. I think it helps to have a leader that gives everyone a voice and makes sure that they know that their voice is appreciated and needed. I think what unites us all is that this is bigger than all of us. We do this for the community. This is not about each one of us. Um, and the, the idea of doing something great for Jacksonville is what brings everybody to the table. It, what's, it's what gets people excited. Um, the energy they all feel on October you know, 24, 25, whenever we end up doing it, it's, you, can't, you can't capture it because everyone is so excited and so proud and we work like a regular nonprofit. We are a 501c3. Everyone has a specific task that they sign on to for a year. So there's communications, there's coaches, there's marketing, there's um, engagement, food, you name it. So, And that's their responsibility year-round. And we work like anybody else. There's responsibilities. There's checkpoints in place. And 
But it's all volunteer, so it's all volunteer. Has a full-time job. Everybody has a full-time job. Yeah, except Doug, who has the luxury of being retired. You're going to be selecting speakers soon. So when you announce the topic, mm-hmm. when, how does the speaker application process work? Is it open to everybody? Do it's I, open to anybody, so everybody. I so I don't have to be a PhD to no. do this? No. Um, so it's open to anybody and everybody. It'll, it will open up in March. The application is fairly straightforward. A lot of times we people are intimidated just by the fact that there is an application. Like you just said, people think they have to have a PhD or be so accomplished that they can come up on the stage. But really, it's for everybody and anybody, it's, um, you just need to have an idea where it's spreading. You need to have a thought process of why you want to do this, why the local community is going to embrace this t- idea, and present a rough outline. That's, re- that's really all we ask for, um, but we want to make sure you have thought about it. Um, we, we usually don't take self-help. What does that mean? Um, life coaches, um, people that inspire others to rise above, that really isn't... It's like almost like the network marketing of speakers. Is. Yeah, that's just um, that's a bulk of the applications, not a bulk, maybe a quarter um, that come in. But we, we don't advocate for that only because there's no central idea there for our attendees. We really want topics um, that are going to help the community grow. So I do want to yeah. put that out there. We, w- we would love for more women to apply. Um, not many women apply? No, I would say uh, two thirds are men and a third are women. So that's always a struggle because we do want to present a balanced speaker lineup. And I would love to do, I think we've only had 50-50 one year, but it's tough. You know, we can't give somebody a spot just because they're a woman because they applied. Um, So that's really hard. Um, So I would love for more women to apply. And we do do active outreach to people that we think have great ideas and encourage them to apply. Um, And if somebody has an idea and they're not sure of how to put it down on paper, you know, they can reach out to us. We're happy to talk it out. So you even coach through the application Yeah, process? absolutely. We've done that with several people in the past. Um, and there's no, there's no guarantee that's going to result in you being a speaker, right. but we, we are more than willing and happy to assist. That's great. And I have noticed that when, when I'm at the conferences, there is a variety of speakers. You have different age groups, different careers, different purposes and pathways. And it's always very intriguing and interesting to listening to this, this rainbow of people and to talking. Yeah. All right, so what else? What else do we need to talk about? What's, what's happening? Um, I really hope that we can reach Jacksonville as a whole. I feel like we have a great, loyal audience base that expands every year. But, you know, Jacksonville is the largest city in the country, um, and there's different opinions, perspectives here, and I don't think we get, you know, folks from the outer, outlier parts of Jacksonville to attend, and we would love to reach out to them. Um, and we're going to be doing an event in April at Jacksonville University on the economics of aging. So what that looks like amongst different gen- generations. In May, we are moving to um, an event for Baptists on women's health and everything and anything women are afraid to talk about. And we're going to address it there. And uh, we're going to do a follow-up to Women Kicking Ass because that was just a huge event last year. Sorry, what is that? That was the topic. (laughs) (laughs) Women Kicking Ass Ass was a salon that we did uh, where we showed three talks by really, really wonderful women. And then we had a panel of great local women just talk about challenges um, and adversity that they face being a woman and rising up to become leaders in Jacksonville. So and that was, you know, sold out in a day. The Cummer Museum kept feeling calls about, you know, can we please get a seat? Uh, we had to expand to a different room uh, at the Comer for a second uh, audience. 
So we, we want to do that one again because uh, there's so many tremendous women. And we want to give women encouragement as well to come out and apply to speak. So your venues have to get larger and larger. The venues have been growing. That's great. Yeah. So when you first started this organization or when you first linked arms with it, did you think that Jacksonville was supportive of it or was it difficult to kind of earn the credibility? Both. I think um, the credibility has come over the years as, have, as people have seen the content um, and ha- as the organization has earned the respect of everyone else. So, you know, when we first came out, I don't think everybody knew what TED Talks were uh, or that you could have it locally. So there was a little bit, you know, fundraising was definitely harder the first year. Um, and now we have loyal supporters who want this type of innovative um, event experience uh, locally, so they are eager and excited to help. Um, but I think every year that's going to decrease. You know, every year as more people come in, as more people hear about it, that challenge will decrease for right. us. And how's fundraising going? Do you guys have an active sales arm? <laughs> you are you are the fundraiser. Fundraising is um, is a huge part of our organization, and we don't fundraise much. We fundraise about fifty thousand um, dollars. Because everything else that we have, including our volunteer uh, staff time, is all in kind. Um, so, you know, it costs about $300,000 to put on the conference. Um, the smaller events. That's just the hard cost? That's, that's like if, if we were to add up everything, it would be $300,000. Wow. Um, so the fundraising, I think we are short of about 15000 So if anybody wants to oh, there we go. Uh, chime in and re- raise your hand, I'm all ears. But um, it's not intimidating because I think the content speaks for itself. That's yeah. great. Cool. Sabine, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, this was a great talk, and I hope look forward to the next one. Yeah, likewise. Thanks, right. Rush. All right.